Ten years ago, I don't think I could have agreed with the statement that farming could be fun, but it is. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of May the 3rd, 2012. We are continuing our annual review. Part two today deals with the second of our three principles. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. I would agree that farming is fun, although as we'll probably develop during our conversation today, there are some things that we honestly cannot say are fun. That's true, yes. Um, we'll get into that. I think the overall concept is more enjoyable than I ever thought it would be. I was just in a different place 10 years ago, um, even seven years ago for that matter, but now it, despite the turmoil or the, the obstacles that we face sometimes, the overall project of growing things is invigorating, stimulating, just seems to be the right thing to do. And we probably ought to take a moment here at the outset to clarify what we mean by the term fun. And that's probably why this second of our three principles is the hardest to understand. When we say farming is fun, we don't mean we're partying down all the time, although we certainly are capable of having a nice party here and there. That's true. I I think what we're talking about when we talk about fun is the work, the, the actual work of farming, where we're sweating and toiling and planting and weeding and sowing and harvesting. It's, it's that day-to-day rhythm of growing things that we believe needs to be fun in order for this to work well for us. Yeah, and I think for me, even though some of it, you know you're going to have work to do, and that the work can be routine, it can be unpleasant sometimes, it can be sad and discouraging when you see a critter has eaten your vegetables that you work so hard to plant. I mean, whatever, despite that, If I believe I'm making progress, yes, I might be taking two steps forward and one step backwards, but that's that's what human development growth is like. You know, that's what um, the all the developmental theorists teach us is that human development is it's a jagged growth curve. It's not even. It's not smooth. You're going to have some setbacks. But if I can see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah, I'm, I'm making progress, then I can see some fun in it. Now, I just want to stop and note for the record, this is a, a podcast about subsistence farming, and I don't know too many podcasts about subsistence farming that are going to be infused with human developmental theory. So I just I just got to note that um, <laughs> before we move on. Well, you know, Piaget, Werner, I could I could quote some of the developmental theorists, but you're right. It's it's just that if I don't if I can see the connections between um, you know life in general and other disciplines, uh, you know what I'm doing with horticulture, but also other ways, other realms of knowledge, then it helps me to get a handle on what I'm doing. There you go. And if I understand it better, 
that does make it more enjoyable. And let's talk a little bit about our humanness here. You and I are what I believe to be typical humans. We enjoy working hard when we can see the results and when we care about those results. Yes. And in the case of a farm that you and I own and operate, it's easy to accomplish both of those things. You get to decide what you're going to do today, by and large. I mean, there yeah. are some times when you have made a prior commitment, but typically it's a prior commitment you made. Oh, yeah. I'm in charge of my life. You are in charge <laughs> of your life. I am in charge of my life. I decide what I want to plant, when I want to plant it, where I want to plant it, how I want to plant it. Plant it, that is. And as a result, it's a, an everyday thing for us farmers to see the results of what we're doing and to care about those results. And I mm -hmm. cannot yeah. overstate the importance of that. It just makes such a difference in your day-to-day -day life. So we, en we generally enjoy working on the farm. It's those, it's those times when it's not fun, when it's not enjoyable, when you come in and you say, we say this has got to be fun while we're doing it. This is not fun that you and I have to step back and, and take a look at it. Yeah, and I think we can give a specific example of that. I, if I think, you know, if I'm doing the definition of insanity, which basically is I keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting to get a different result, but of course I'm not going to get a different result, then that becomes discouraging. That becomes the kind of thing that's not fun. As in year after year after year letting the weeds quote, get ahead of me, unquote, you know, that I don't want to do that. I don't intend to do that. Every year I have a resolve that I'm going to figure out how to keep the weeds down before they really get established. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. And here we are one more growing season feeling like we're behind those weeds. Yes, I'm and besieged. And, and, I, and I'm wondering, why am I not getting smarter about this? So that's probably... The, the area of our horticulture where we have the most development to do is how to manage weeds in a way that allows us to incorporate that into what we're doing and how we're doing it. And you know what? I've, I've read a lot about it. I've been to um, excellent presentations at Southern SOG about organic weed management. Intellectually, I know some things to do. It's prioritizing my schedule for one thing so that I'm out there at the right time doing the right thing so that it doesn't overwhelm me but that didn't work out this year so now it's going to be playing catch up which recalls the gardener's prayer dear lord I'll do better next year <laughs> yeah. that's our prayer and that's what keeps it I won't say that it makes it fun but I think that's what makes even the unpleasant part tolerable is to say it's sort of like all those years that Auburn used to beat Alabama in the football game, you know, years in a row during the Bo Jackson era. And, the wear the thumb. And yeah, all of that, and it actually got worse than that. They had seven in a row, and et cetera. Well, those of you who are Alabama football fans, you can understand what I'm saying. Um, we, you know, there was always wait till next year, wait till next year. Um, that kind of uh, refrain that kept a person a football fan from going, uh, you know, from being too unhappy at the time. Well, 
that's the way I look at my garden. I go, well, wait till next year. I'll get you then, you know. <laughs> Weeds, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out a better way to prevent you next year. And I am reminded at, in, at times like this of the quote from one of our favorite people, Ted Leach, one of our ministers at Vestavia Hills United Methodist Church. While we were there, he's no longer um, there, nor are we. Um, but what he said that really stuck with me is he says, most people overestimate what they can get done in a year. Most people underestimate what they can do in 10 years. In and 10 I think, years, yes, that's right. And I think you and I are in this for the long haul. We're focused on long-term inputs, long-term results. So if we can see things improving over a period of years, then it makes it fun. We see the results. And I think that's certainly, uh, Ted's a very wise man, and I, and I believe he's right about that. I would have never thought to to come up with that, but it's true. I think I look back. We're at our five year mark, almost exactly. By the way, we bought this property May eight, two thousand seven. Oh, you're right. We are. Yeah. So that's half of ten years, and I'm thinking, yes, if if five years ago when we purchased this property, if I could have envisioned what we've already established here, I mean, I would have been amazed at us. <laughs> Good point. We have reason to be proud of what we have accomplished during those five years. We tend to use November of 2009 as our benchmark because that's when we changed our residence to here. But you're right. We we began at least visioning as soon as we owned the property. Yeah, and not to go too, to stray too far from the, the, fee, the subject, but I think that is part of what's made it fun, is we did spend a lot of the first year visioning. You used a good word. We'd walk from one part of the heavily wooded. I mean, it was really kind of hard to see the overall terrain of the land at first, uh, but we'd walk from one area to another and say, well, where could we put a house? Where could we put a barn? We changed our minds three or four or five times. At least. At yeah. least. you know. And where could we put a road that goes to the other side of the property? Where, and now we have all those things after five years. So I'm thinking... Well, then maybe there's hope for the next five that Ted's, we're going to make Ted proud of us, and we will be amazed at what we've done in 10 years. And let's talk about some of the things that we've done. We've, we've already mentioned one of those things that we have to spend time on that really doesn't feel fun. Well, let's talk about a couple that are good examples of work we do. It's hard work. We're sweating. We're swatting at those gnats that are everywhere this time of year. But we're enjoying it. It is fun. Yeah. One of the examples that comes to mind for me is the work that I've been doing these last several days, clearing land on either side of our driveway so people can park when they come to visit us at the lodge. That was a decision we made slowly after having two mm -hmm. or three other ideas about how we could help people park. We finally settled on this as the most practical alternative. Mm -hmm. And it's hard work, and I've injured myself. I it's, know. And it's really um, it, it's uncomfortable at many times. And I but, see you go up there with your, he has an orange hard hat, if you can yeah. envision this man on a tractor with his orange hard hat. And I see you go off and think, oh, my lumberjack, you're going up to take down trees. And sometimes from Veg Hill, I can hear a tree fall. 
Um, but I know that, and it's not that we're into cutting down trees, by the way. We we do say a prayer for that tree as we as we cut it down. But it's that we we need a place for people to park and trust us this is the <laughs> we have we have finally after another bit of walking around and trying and changing our minds two or three times figured out a place that we think is ideal yes so uh, the trees have to come down under the circumstances under the given circumstances. what we have to work with it seems the best of several mm-hmm. um less than perfect alternatives but I want to second what you said about saying a prayer. Uh, that's something that is built into my clearing methodology. Every time a tree dies at our hand, we say a prayer. Uh, thank you for that tree and blessings on the ground that is cleared and may good things come of right. this death right. that we are causing. Yeah, we really do try to, to minimize how many trees we have to cut down to to plant or uh, construct anything um, and and we've been fortunate a lot of our paths have been like old logging trails and that kind of thing but uh, when you when you live on 88 acres of woods inevitably if you want to build something you have to clear a few places so it's it's good to have that philosophy though it's they're living things we care for them and um, as you said we hope that the the ground that's available for people to park and come see us and share in our our uh, joy here that will be blessed ground, hollowed ground. That's correct. So, well, let's talk about one that you that I've observed you doing. Um, I, afternoon after afternoon, I see you at the work table under the pole barn roof, working on your seedlings. I know that that's turned out to be something I never thought I would enjoy. And at first, I was really afraid of like, ooh, starting things from seed and having these little tiny seedlings, and um, <clears throat> you know, I didn't think I could handle it. But I've gotten more comfortable with it now, and really, I now really derive a, a joy from seeing them grow from seed to seedling to transplant to I'm hardening some off. I have them in all kinds of various stages at this point, and um, and it's worth it because last year my experience was that the tomatoes that I started from my own seed were the best performing tomatoes out there in in the garden. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. I, you know, we've been to many programs now on seed starting, and they always start with, why do you do this? And pretty soon you knock down the idea that you'd save money by doing it. Yeah, you it. might say a little packet of seed is so much cheaper. Well, eh, we yeah. could we could have a whole podcast on that process, and, and we'll tell you, you don't necessarily save a lot of money. But the question of plant quality has not come up in those workshops. And now that we have experienced it, if you and I are participants in one of them, we're going to bring that up. Yeah. I we mean, get I'm, better quality from seeds we start ourselves. Yeah, and here's a case in point. One point that they do make, and, and I totally agree with, um, is that one reason you start it from seed is because you can select varieties that might not be available. Sure at the retail store in a transplant. However, last year, I planted some Cherokee purple tomatoes that I purchased as a transplant and some Cherokee purple tomatoes that I started from seed. My seed seedlings performed the best and were the healthiest. So actually, some of those others died. So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's been our experience that if you can make it work, and of course I'm trying to learn the most efficient ways to do it as I 
it's trial and error, a lot of it, and some of it just trying new things that people suggest. But I want to try to do it as efficiently and cheaply as possible. It's not that I don't want to save money, but, you know, at this point, I kind of splurge and buy a tray if I need it. I buy potting soil if I need it. I don't, you know, I don't make my own. I just buy ProMix at the uh, yeah, petals. We're, we're not trying to figure out the very cheapest way to get by. We're trying to learn, yeah. we're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Uh, but that's been fun. Yeah, and it has been. Um, another one that I would throw out that I think has been fun, even though you may not see the results real fast, is this podcast and our Organic Moments videos. Um, we don't have a huge audience for either one of them, but we're have a, we have a growing audience. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's fun to look back on them ourselves and see uh, or listen to the podcast, but on the videos, look back on them and say, it's kind of a log for what we were doing and how we did Absolutely. it. It's a teaching tool for ourselves sometimes. And it's kind of neat because one of my friends was asking about potatoes, like how to grow potatoes. And I said, well, it just happens that we have a video that, you know, mostly that you shot up at uh, the learning gardens at the um, Central with Alabama. Mary McCrone. Yeah, with Mary McCrone at the Central Alabama Extension Office. And, um, that is something we can refer people to. Say, so, well, as a matter of fact, there are seven different ways you can grow potatoes. <laughs> and thanks to Don Cermak for coming up with the, the great idea to do that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun doing that, fun to, to look back, as I said. Um, and, of course, we know that um, we hope part of the fun is bringing some joy or uh, insight or instruction into somebody else's life. I, I've spent 30 years as a teacher, as a professor, because I loved teaching and helping others and mentoring students. And I'd like to think that part of what we're doing here is that same function in the plant, in the planting world for other people. So that's the fun we're having and the fun we intend to have over the next several years and hope you can have fun with us as we enjoy this adventure together. Take care. Look forward to visiting with you next week when we will take up with part three, dealing with we don't make allness statements. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.